turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Money Monday came and went with me not here. So it's Money Tuesday, and it's never too late and always great to talk with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. They're in Lewis Center. They are retirement specialists getting you ready for retirement by offering you a free consultation. You get a $25 gift card. Better yet, you will understand planning and having a plan. They call it the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Plan for Retirement. Blueprints are detailed. You need to have detail and purpose in your retirement. Josh is always kind enough to join us normally on Mondays, but Tuesday this week and Tuesday next week as well. So, Josh, thanks for your time. And let's dig into some things uh, as it concerns inflation, the Fed. And uh, let's start, I guess, with what the Fed's role is. We hear about Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Fed, all the time. People have probably heard the term the Federal Reserve. It's just what is the Fed and what is its role? Uh, well, the Fed has a bunch of functions, but ultimately, you know, I think they say they have five functions, but the two that we hear the most about is uh, we hear the term tightening of money supply, but mm-hmm. really what they're doing is helping perpetuate the monetary policy of the United States. So whatever the government's, uh, what's in the government's best interest to stabilize our currency and to keep that monetary policy going, they do. And there's a bunch of ways that they can control that. Uh, Two that I think we're probably most accustomed to hearing about is they buy up government debt. Uh, So, for example, uh, since COVID started, the the Fed has been buying up about $80 billion a month of treasuries. So we hear oftentimes, you know, the the government's printing money and they're they're selling treasuries. And who's buying treasuries if they're only getting paid 1% or these low interest rates? Well, the reality is the Fed's buying up a lot of it. Uh, they've been buying up about 80 million, 80 billion, excuse me, with a B of treasuries and about 40 billion of mortgage-backed securities per month. So if you're wondering why banks are willing to loan money out uh, for mortgages at such a low rate, it's because they're not actually typically holding them. The Fed is, uh, to some degree, buying them off of them. Recently, they said they're going to start slowing down that purchasing, which is, again, how they can tighten up money supply. The other thing they do is control interest rates uh, in which banks can borrow money from the Fed, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you hear that interest rates are going up, it doesn't necessarily mean that the Fed gets to declare what your mortgage rate's going to be or what your credit card rate's going to be, but the Fed gets to declare what banks can borrow money at, which that trickles downhill. So in simplistic terms, if the Fed is increasing interest rates, they're typically doing that because they believe the economy is doing well and liquidity or extra money doesn't need to be as free-flowing in the economy. Similarly, if they're not buying treasuries at such a rapid rate, they believe it's because the economy is doing well. Now, just recently, they released some information and said that we believe we're going to start increasing interest rates slowly, and we're going to start slowing down the repurchasing or or the purchasing of these treasuries. Now, the takeaway there was, and by the way, most people thought that that was overly optimistic. If you looked at most analysts, they said, you know, the economy is doing well, but still very much on on uh, wooden legs. We're not ready to start doing these 
aggressive switches from what's been working. And I think the reason that people are concerned about that is if the money supply starts tightening, that is theoretically less money flowing into the market and less demand for market stocks, which would mean it would have a negative impact on the, on the stock market. So I think, you know, future things to come, I, I don't believe that the Fed's going to raise interest rates in a substantial degree over the next six or 12 months. But even the lessening of purchasing of government debt could have an impact uh, in the economy and in the market in general. Josh Pick is our guest. Josh is with Aptus Wealth Management. They're located in Lewis Center. You can find them online at Aptus, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. Their phone number is 614-917-1040. Schedule your no-obligation free consultation. Get a $25 gift card and a much better understanding of money and planning for retirement. Okay, I'm giving my age away here, but the first house that I purchased in central Ohio, the interest rate was 10%. Okay, so we don't have anything close to that, and we haven't had anything close to that for a long time. And you're right, the amount of uh, interest that the Fed charges banks then impacts what banks charge us. And we always hear about the Fed tightening money supply, and that's theoretically always been the cure to inflation. But uh, it seems to me like they have said for a long time they're not going to do that. You say that now they're sending signals they are going to do that. Do you think that would... uh, rein in some of the inflation that we have seen, or is that typically a a longer term before that tightening of the money impacts on prices and the stuff that we focus on, like gas and meat and a lot of those staples that people tend to say, wow, that's a lot more expensive than it was a week ago or a month ago? You know, I think there's a lot of variables that impact the bottom line of inflation. Um, I can just talk about two of them. One, obviously, is the raising of interest rates would help toward inflation to a degree. So to answer your question simply, if the Fed increases interest rates, that will have a positive effect or at least a slowing effect on inflation. But that does not eliminate some of the other supply chain issues that we've had since COVID. True. Um, I just went, a perfect example, I just went to buy some patio furniture over the weekend and something that I didn't even calculate. And I have not researched this to see if it's correct, but apparently a large percentage of foam in the United States is manufactured out of Texas. Yes. We had that storm that went through Texas that had a significant impact on foam, and foam goes into furniture, and that means there's a shortage. So furniture has gone up in price. Now, that does not mean that if the Fed raises interest rates, it's going to you know automatically bring the cost of furniture back down. That is a pocketed example on where supply and demand is the issue. But typically, you're absolutely right. If inflation starts careening out of control because we're printing money, et cetera, The goal would be to boost the economy to a level, which I think we've done a pretty darn good job of that, at least in the stock market front, where we can start slowly raising interest rates toward inflation. The problem is, you know, the secret's in the sauce as to how much can we raise it before it has such a negative impact that we start heading back the other direction and then we have to give it another shot in the arm. So I don't envision that interest rates are going to climb at any sort of rapid rate, Um, and I think inflation at least to a modest degree, is here to stay. I don't think we're heading back towards 10% interest rates on homes anytime soon, but uh, I think the the land of 2.75% 30-year fixed is probably a narrow window. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Josh Pick is our guest. Aptus Wealth Management is Josh's firm. 614-917-1040. Aptus, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And you get a free consultation with Josh and his team to get a window into retirement planning. It's so important. Don't get caught, surprised, understand how your money grows and the necessity for planning against things like inflation and those variables. And Josh and his team are very, very on top of those kinds of situations. So uh, I highly recommend you get with Josh and the Aptus Wealth team, 614-917-1040. 
prices touch everybody. The other thing that can touch everybody, of course, are taxes, Josh. Uh, President Trump uh, believed in tax cuts to drive the economy. Uh, Joe Biden made no bones about it, that he felt like taxes had to be increased. He has talked a lot about increasing taxes. Uh, do you? What do you foresee on the horizon with a tax increase as it concerns people planning for that and maybe, I don't know if bulletproofing is the right term, but protecting some of their money that they hope to have there in retirement that could uh, perhaps be compromised by some tax increases? Well, there's no doubt, Bruce, that tax planning is absolutely as important as earning money in the stock market or your investments or whatever you're talking about. I mean, money saved is money earned. So managing your tax liability is important. And I haven't met anybody, at least in recent memory, that believes that tax rates are going to go down anytime soon. Mm. So I would argue that while I I don't follow the herd uh, or some of the people and the pundits that believe that taxes are going to skyrocket over the next four years, I do think that there's a very significant uh, inclination that they're going up. So as we combine that with the fact that the Fed is talking about raising interest rates, just kind of circling back to what we were talking about before, that could lead to market volatility as well. Market volatility does not necessarily mean that the market's going to go down. It just means that we're going to have volatile periods in the market. So if we look at both of those things and we try and come up with just maybe one strategy that could help you from a tax front, it would be as we're in these low tax rate environments that Trump instituted, um, why don't we start looking at Roth conversions? And a Roth conversion is simply taking your pre-tax dollars, things like your 401k, IRA, all the all the alphabet, you know, soup and all the numbers, the 403Bs, all that pre-tax stuff, and converting it in a methodol, uh, you know, in a very methodical way, over to an environment where all those gains become tax-free for life. Now, again, getting back to there's some got to be some logic and there's got to be a method to the madness because you don't want to just start doing Roth conversions and paying you know, 32% in taxes today to save 22 later. Mm. But when you have people that are particularly in their first year of retirement or, you know, they're living on a level where maybe they're in the 12% bracket, uh, I don't remember a time in history, uh, at least recent history, where we've had a 12% bracket. Take advantage of all the meat of that 12% bracket that you can. Pay the 12% today to save, to save 15 or 20% later and start doing Roth conversions. If you could couple that, with market volatility and start doing conversions, maybe in a drop in the market. Well, now you're you're you know you're making those conversions at a low point in the market on less money and then allowing it to run back up. So the two things that we talked about that combining together, I think, opens up at least one opportunity for people that it that it fits. I think that answer gives folks a lot of good information and a window into the kind of counsel that you can get from the Aptus Wealth team at Aptus Wealth Management. They are located in Lewis Center. Reach out to them via the phone, 614-917-1040. AptusWealth.com is the website. Your free consultation makes you smarter. That's the most important thing. The $25 gift card is very nice, too. You can patronize local businesses and help them. Josh hosts the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show here on The Answer at 4 p.m. every Saturday. Another great way for you to get more information, greater insight into your retirement. Josh, it's always great to be with you. Thanks for uh, allowing us to have a part of your day here on Tuesday. We'll catch you again next Tuesday. And as always, we really appreciate your time. Thank you, too. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Bruce. Six twenty-one, Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along. Appreciate Josh Pick and his input on money matters. That is very important. You got to keep your eye on it with inflation and all the other variables out there. Joe Biden can't wait to spend a ton of money, and he makes no money 
The government does not make money. They take your money. So when they're spending it, they're spending your money. And Big Pharma is going to get very rich off this vaccine. We spent a lot of time on the show today talking about the mandated vaccines of the health systems in central Ohio, Ohio Health, Nationwide Children's, Wexner Medical Center at OSU, joining Mount Carmel, mandating that their employees get vaccinated. If not, your job could be in jeopardy. Appreciate all of you plugging into the program, calling 844-TALK-989, weighing in, give us, give us, giving us your opinion and your perspective. Uh, I have spent a lot of time talking to uh, friends of mine who are in the medical profession. And one of the things that I meant to tell you about is you hear all these Delta variant numbers and how exceedingly contagious it is and all that. Uh, I've talked with someone who is involved on the testing side. And the PCR tests, which are conducted with the swab up the nose, uh, those don't yield types of variants. Uh, Those are only done via other testing, additional testing. And in most cases, that's not done. So I'm a little bit skeptical when I hear about the Delta variant. The reason why I'm a little skeptical about the things that I'm told is because there have been so many things said. I'm not going to say they're lies, but there was a recent story published called Noble Lies. I believe Axios published it, or maybe Slate. That is how the Anthony Fauci's, Rachel Walensky's, and others view things they say that are mm, half true. The problem with something that's half true is that it's also not all true, and if it's not all true, it certainly can create the dreaded misinformation. But there's good misinformation and bad misinformation, and good misinformation is information that nudges you a bit closer to getting vaccinated. We have talked about that for quite some time. I wanted to turn the topic now to identity. We hear a lot these days about identity. One of the main identities people have now is vaccinated or unvaccinated, right? Are you a COVID denier or are you someone who follows the science? That's a kind of identity. So a lot of the brands, a lot of the labels that we wear and that are applied to us are identity labels. Many, many years ago, I was sitting in a folklore class at Ohio State when a professor said something that I have never forgotten. And honestly, there aren't very many things that I still have retained in my mind from my college years except this one statement Randomly uttered, but it definitely landed in the part of my brain where it locked in, and I'm pretty sure will always remain. And here is what the English folklore professor said. He said, I am what I think you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. That rings true to me even now. When I watch... The Olympics on TV. What do I see? First of all, I see NBC going to great lengths to put forward the agenda of the LGBTQ community. I was watching a 1,500-meter race the other night in which the woman leading the race 
had very short hair that she had colored into a rainbow array of colors. And the commentator was talking about her and how she's running so much freer now because she has chopped off her hair to reject traditional forms of beauty and has therefore freed herself to run as her authentic self. It was later on that same night that U.S. shot putter Raven Saunders won a silver medal and then was brought to the NBC interview area uh, where Lewis Johnson asked her about her podium pose, I will say, where she crossed her arms over her head uh, and uh, was at the time sporting uh, green and purple hair. So Lewis Johnson asked her about why she was crossing her arms over her head. And she said it was because the crossed arms represented the intersection of where all people who are oppressed meet. And so Lewis Johnson said, what people groups are you talking about who are oppressed? And she said, well, uh, black people, uh, the LGBTQ community, and women. And I pondered that for a second because Raven Saunders is black. She is gay. And she is a woman. And I thought, in your individual case, there can't be a great deal of persecution because you've been allowed to make the U.S. Olympic team, compete for the U.S. Olympic team, win an Olympic medal, and you're now being given the platform of national television back to America from Tokyo, Japan. You didn't win a gold medal. NBC was under no obligation to put you on camera, but they put you on camera. And you're making a case that is not supported by how you have been treated in your life. And I reflected upon what she said and what was said earlier about the runner with the rainbow hair and the authentic self. And something struck me about these people groups that Raven Saunders said she's a part of, and I thought about that is her identity. She's claiming that identity, gay, black, and female. Fine, her choice, I have no problem with it. Like the woman who ran in the race. Gay, rainbow hair, authentic self. Fine. I thought about my own identity. And if someone asked me what's my identity, I would say my identity is I'm saved by Christ's sacrifice at the cross, and I live to glorify him. That's my identity. I have, a, I have other identities, but they're not the top identity on my list. That's my identity. I'm a man. I'm white. I'm a husband, a father, but my main identity is who God says I am thanks to his grace through his son Jesus. And that's not a popular identity right now. I get a lot of pushback from people for sharing that identity. So I guess in that sense, I'm the same as Raven Saunders. She's claiming she gets pushback. But the difference is, Other people's opinion of my identity doesn't change my identity because I know in whom my identity is based. 
It's not impacted by other people's rejection of my identity, but the LGBTQ community and other people that Raven Saunders and others purport to represent require my approval of their identity for their identity to mean what they want it to mean to them. So my identity is in a higher power. It is in the God of the sovereign universe. If you have your identity based upon what other people think of you, your identity will always be fragile. It'll always be subject to the vagaries of society and what's popular at the time.